It's the time of year when we're all thinking about goals and priorities. Now is the time to plan your next trip. Whatever kind of travel fills you up, whether it's lounging on the beach, connecting with family and friends, or going on a foreign adventure, Expedia has the tools you need to plan a great trip. Download the Expedia app or visit Expedia.com to start planning. You do need to be a OneKey member to use price tracking. Signing up is easy and free. Expedia, made to travel. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. Welcome to part two of our conversation. Have you thought about what happens after football? For you, I think about it more now than I used to. Yeah, I think now I, I think that I'm seeing that there's definitely an end coming sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. What does that end look like? Is that 43? Is it 45? Yeah. Is it? As long as I'm still loving it. Still, as long as you're loving it, you're gonna do it. Yes. Yeah, so, as long as I'm I'm loving the training and the preparation, and willing to make the the commitment. But I think what I've alluded to a lot in the docu series was there's other things happening in my life too. I do have kids that I love, and I don't want to be a dad that's not there driving my kids to yeah. their games. And my kids have brought a great perspective in my life because kids just want the attention. You better be there yeah. and be available to them, yeah. or else they're going to look back on their life and go, hey, dad didn't really care that I much. I love it. Uh, I think it was on the series. I said, your son, Jack, they ask, what, who's your favorite uh, quarterback? <laughs> and he says, Cam Newton. Yeah. Yeah. It was so cute. I yeah. know. That's him, too. Yeah. I love him. <laughs> He he calls me and says, Dad, I got fantasy football. Who should I pick? You know, and uh, I mean, those connections. I had a great dad. Yeah, I had a great dad and a great mom. I think that was the same episode where you kissed your son or your son kissed you. You yeah. said, come on, give me a peck. Yeah. And then the Internet blew up. I over... know. What, what did you think of that? I don't know. I grew up in an affectionate home. And I think. The Internet blew up because you kissed your son on the lips. Yeah. And your, your son kissed you on the lips. Yeah. And you had said to him come back here, that was just a little peck or something. Yeah. And then he came back and he just sort of landed one. It's like to say, is this good <laughs> enough for you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's always like, I say, you know, give me a kiss goodbye. And that's what he is. He, my, he likes to come over there and he puts his head in there. And I said, no, 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 that's not how we're doing it, you know? And I, like I said, when I grew up, that's what, it was just part of our, our family. That's how your father yeah, treated my mom, you? Yeah, my mom kissed me all the time. My dad kissed me. I got hugged, I got tickled, I got kissed. So naturally as a father, that's what I do with my kids. I hug my kid, I kiss my kids, I tickle them, and it's just, I don't have a problem showing the affection, so. So did it, do you care what people are saying on the I internet? I, could, I don't care about that at all. I mean, I obviously, yeah. you know, my love for my kids or how they may feel about that. You know, they get to decide when they're older, you know, how they mm-hmm. want to raise their kids, but, you know, for me, I'm, I'm a very affectionate person. 
And so were you even aware of it? I'm just wondering, for somebody who is as private as you are, when the Internet's blowing up, and like, oh, Tom, yeah. you shouldn't be kissing this kid like that. Yeah. Tom shouldn't be doing that. Are you even aware that that's happening? I was on that. And I think what I thought was more for him. He lives in New York with his mom. Uh-huh. So I thought more for him. I, know, I was wondering, maybe the kids at the school say something because yeah. maybe they watched. And yeah. I think that's probably more what I thought about. Is he going to have him. to deal with Yeah kids coming up to him and teasing him and it's hard for kids there was a boy that came up to my son Benny the other day and says I'm just friends with you because your dad's Tom Brady and that's hard I mean he said that yeah he said but you know he's he's eight years old I mean what can he you know I thought about okay if I'm my son what am I thinking now I mean that's hard it's hard to rationalize no now your eight-year-old son is thinking I wonder if other kids are just friends with me because absolutely did you all have a talk about it I did and And I said "You, you shouldn't be friends with that boy because all your friends are going to love you for who you are. You're a great kid. You know, you're a very sweet, caring, empathetic boy. And you're going to have a lot of friends. And don't worry about that one. Mm-hmm. But it is. I mean, how do, how do they rationalize that? And I don't necessarily know how to parent those things either. I, was, I grew up like a lot of kids in this country. I just was a nor- very normal child that I played on the street with my friends. And I didn't have the things that my children have to deal with. And I wasn't parented the way that I'm parenting my kids. In what way? I don't know. My kids have so much. Yeah. They have so much. They get to do this and offer opportunity. People they have bring them opportunity and they, access. And they yeah. bring them gifts all the time. People are here. This is for your son. And this is. They know who my kids are. Or they know. You know, everywhere we go now, it's you know, and even because I'm married to you know Giselle, and it's and, it's and not she's just, one of the greatest supermodels yeah, of all time. It's not just the United States. It's yes. Brazil. It's. You know, we go to a lot of places, and now it's still getting used to for us in a way. So how do you raise kind? compassionate, open-minded, ambitious on their own kids when you grow up with everything and your father's Tom Brady and your mom's yeah. Giselle? We're trying. I don't have, we're, we're working at it. I'm working at it like a lot of other parents are working at it too. I mm-hmm. don't have the answers for that. And I think you try not to give them everything they want, but you also want your kids to, look, my parents wanted to give me everything so who's, they have. So who's a disciplinarian, you or Giselle? What she would say or what I would say? What you would say? I'm absolutely the disciplinarian in the house. You are? Yeah. But she would say that the kids get whatever they want with me. But... They get their way with you. They get their way with me. So so do you do the kind of parenting that if they go to her and they don't get something and then they can come to you and get it? No, I wouldn't okay. do that. Okay, yeah, you don't She do would that. kill me for that. Okay, good. Yeah. You all, you all have to be a team. You yeah, know? yeah, I know. Yeah. But my daughter... She gets whatever she wants. <laughs> I can see that right I said now. she's like, you know, she's a little version of my wife. It's like, how can I not? I mean, that girl just has me just wrapped so tight. It's... Oh, boy. I know. Yeah. That's... that's a daughter should be with her daughter dads. should be. You know, this past season, one of the biggest stories in the NFL and the nation was players choosing to kneel during the national anthem to protest police brutality and yeah. racial injustice. Taking a knee divided yeah. the country. Yeah. What was happening in your own locker room? I think there were a lot of really good, healthy conversations coming out of it in our locker room. I think, like I said, the great part about sports are the relationships. Mm-hmm. And I've been in it for a long time. I've been with guys from all different parts of the country, every mm-hmm. color, race, belief. Background. And, yeah. yeah. And you know what? You, you respect what other people, you know, I do. I, I respect why people are doing what they're doing. And they're doing it for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. I just You can do things for your reason. They can do things for their reason, and you have respect for that. But I thought it was were there Were there healthy conversations? Did you all have conversations about it? Yeah, we had meetings after practice talking about how we wanted to um, deal with that particular 
you know, situation at a time, mm -hmm. whether it's taking a knee. We chose to lock arms and we put arms you know, around each other. We support our brothers. We support what people are going through. I've been playing sports long enough. Everyone comes from something different. And I think showing respect for everybody is in a locker room of team foot guys tr trying to go the same direction. You better have that empathy for everybody. That's what sports are about. Is it true that you have a separate training place where you don't train with the rest of the team? No, not necessarily. I train a different, no, I wouldn't say that. I have my, I probably do some of my own techniques differently than mm -hmm. the rest of the team. I mean, mm -hmm. the team is, I would say, like most teams are very systematic in their approach. And what I learned, I guess, is different than some of the things that are systematic, but that work for me. It's nothing that I don't talk about with my coach and owner and is mm -hmm. what I want to do is what I need to be the best mm -hmm. player I can be. And, you know, hopefully you can support that. Is there something going on with you and Belichick? No, I mean, I love, I mean, I love him. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I love that he's a incredible coach, mentor for me. And he's pushed me in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Like everything, we don't agree on absolutely yeah. everything. Yeah. But that's relationships. That's relationships. Yeah. Okay. But you would tell me if there was, right? Something going on. I would, but I there's nothing. <laughs> we've had a, we've had so much. Uh, Hi. Look at that cutie over there. <laughs> Hi, Giselle. Hi, Giselle. <laughs> Giselle just walked in. Hello. <laughs> Watching. I believe that in my own life, every time a crisis or disruption comes, it's here to teach me or to, to wake me up or to make me sharper. What did deflate gate, as the press call it, teach you about yourself? Well, I think it taught me, it taught me a lot of things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it taught me about the people that I could really count on. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the people that really supported me. And it taught me a lot about life. Sometimes you do the best you can do and it doesn't work out. And there were a lot of frustrations, you know, and I tried to fight as hard as I could for what I believed in. Mm -hmm. um, what made you finally say, I'm gonna let it go? Just too much anxiety, too much. I realized I couldn't win mm -hmm. and it was divided attention. And I was tired of that, I'm tired of waking up and having a call with someone from the Players Association. and. I just said, you know what, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to, you know, I had the month of September off for the first time in like, I would have been 16, 21 years. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm going to take advantage of this. And the first thing I did, we, my wife and I and our kids, we flew out to see my parents. And my mom was just starting treatment for cancer. cancer. And um, I said, we're going golfing. We're going to go to Pebble Beach. And we went there. And then we never went on a honeymoon, my wife and I. So we said, look, we're going to go to Italy you know, in, in September. And so I said, man, that was the best month off I think I've ever had. <laughs> and uh, I really, it, it, in some ways, it was, it was a great experience in my life. I think you look back on those experiences when they, and it was a really tough experience in my life. Would you do things differently? Would you handle it differently? Mm -mm. No? No. Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meave. Plus, you can help to support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. 
Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. Uh, Giselle just walked in, so it makes me think, how has being with her enhanced your life? Oh, man. Every possible way. It really has. She's, I couldn't imagine a better partner for me in my life, what I've gone through, um, how she supports me, the mom she is to our kids. Mm -hmm. And you both grew up with siblings. And yeah, she had five sisters, and I had three sisters. Yeah. So... It's a lot of women, <laughs> and uh, she comes from a different country, and to move to New York when she was 17, and we met each other under pretty trying circumstances, Yes. and I think in a lot of ways that really challenging experience brought us together. Really? Really in, in a very tight way, and like every couple, we love each other, we support each other, and we're also living our life, and we're trying to find ways to when she's working and I'm working, there's a lot of things happening, but how do we always reconnect with one another? But I believe I couldn't find a better woman to love me and support me the way she does. Because it seems like you all have the, you know, obviously you, you guys look really good together and you walk into a room and you stop a room, well, really? she yeah. does, I know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, hot couple. But also, as we know, that it is the shared value system. So what are the shared values that you both Old, that make this yeah. work as a relationship? We don't see ourselves as the way maybe the world sees us. Mm -hmm. I see myself as the same kid I was growing up on Portola Drive in San Mateo, California, who just happened to do something I love to do. And by the way, I got pretty good at it and I had a great deal of success. And she's a small town girl from a small town and who was supported by her sisters and her family that loved her and they're her best friends still. And by the way, we met and we fell in love and we started a family. And, you know, we're working our way through life. And I don't think we ever let our mind wander to, like, how, you know, we're supposed to act or we're supposed to be. It's, mm -hmm. it's just us. And What's your favorite part of being a husband? And do you like saying the word, my wife? Oh, yeah, I do. Mm. Yeah. I love having the, to come home to someone that engages me every night. She makes me laugh. Oh, my God. I mean, just... In some ways, we're, we're different. When we're so, some ways, we're so similar. She's, mm -hmm. She flies in the sky, you know, and she's a so creative individual. And I'm very rooted. So she stretches me in ways that without her, I couldn't, I couldn't be stretched. And mm -hmm. I think I keep her in some ways, in my belief, I know she's here, but I keep her just close enough, <laughs> you know, where she doesn't go so far, yeah. you know, and that she, she knows, ground her that, yeah, she knows, I'm, ground she knows I'm kind of, you know, she can always count on me and, and I know I can always count on her, but we do have the, the values from our family that I think our mom and dad's both did a great job of and our sisters did a great job of. They never let me get too far from where I grew up and 
I mean, to come and tell them that I was talking to you, my sister yesterday was like, no way. Why wasn't I invited? <laughs> you know? And then, I mean, so it was really. Gotta love the sisters. I know. I, yeah. What's your favorite part about being a dad? I think for every man, once he recognizes that he is a true father and not just someone who fathered a child, but a, a father, it does something to your life. So what's your favorite part? For me, it's the tickling and the hugging and the joy and the laughter. Mm -hmm. and those moments that I have with them and those are mm -hmm. are the most special. At and this you had point, a wonderful childhood, right? Yeah, I yeah. had a great mom and dad. Everything that were... I read about your childhood, it's like yeah. perfect. Your dad went off to work, your mom took care of the yeah. home and the family, and your dad came back and took you to the games. And all. Yeah. yeah, it was there. Not perfect. I, mean, I, don't, I, don't, yeah. I wouldn't say perfect's the word. Yeah. Well, nobody has perfect. Yeah. yeah, but I think it was a, you know, a dad that wanted to support the family yes. and a mom that wanted to support the home. And my dad worked hard. He was up in the morning, he was out early, and came home late. And when he got home, he was there for me. and there for my sisters and we supported each other and we lived on a street with a community of other kids and parents that we would go to their house and they would make us dinner and we go bar their milk and wow you know that was a nice I know way to grow that, up. that's why this book is like it's from another time it's like yeah. people borrowed milk and they worked hard and yeah. they tried to achieve their dreams yeah. yes and you know why it's so striking the principles that you talk about here because you know we live in this age of social media we were talking about people trolling you and stuff yeah and there seems to be this overall feeling i don't know if you feel it but i do that everybody wants to get rich really quick yeah they want to get rich through a youtube post or yeah. uh, they want to get paid they want to i mean i talked to 15 year old kids who are talking yeah. about their brand i just was telling a young girl the other day you got to do something before you have a brand yeah. you know what i mean yeah yeah you, you the brand comes out of the work that you do yeah. not oh i'm worried about my brand i gotta fix my brand i gotta so yeah. to hear someone talk about the the actual hard work and skills that it takes to move yeah. yourself ahead in life yeah. it's kind of unusual in today's norm don't you think i, I do i, I do. do but you got to do something really really well yeah. You know, and the only way to do that, in my belief, is to find something you love to do. Yeah. Because you're going to work and hard at it. And keep working at it. Yeah, work at it every day. And, and, you know, work when no one else is watching you work. And if, if you love it, you'll do it. If you don't love it, you know, it, it sucks. I yeah. mean, everyone, if you show up to work and you hate it, I mean, that's no fun. Yeah. You know, and I think you got those choices every day. So where did you get that, that kind of ethic from? Your parents? Yeah, I yeah. think. Everyone in my family, my sisters were all the same way. My yeah. parents um, yeah. were the same way. And everyone wanted to succeed. There was a competitiveness in our family. Mm -hmm. uh, my three sisters were all very competitive. And, and sports was a big part of our family. And your parents have been together nearly 50 years now. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Pretty great, especially in today's day and age. Yeah. But they have a great relationship. They have a great marriage. And what they work at it. What is their parent, how is their marriage, what has their marriage taught you about your own? I think our marriage, and just like their marriage, a lot of marriage, you, you work at your marriage. Yeah. It's not something you mail it in, you know? And I think if you're, if you're gonna be good at it, you gotta work at it every day. And there's times where you don't see eye to eye. My wife thinks one thing and I think another. And you get angry and you get frustrated. And then you gotta find a way to come back before the next argument and before the next crisis in the family or before the next event that's frustrating or makes mm -hmm. you angry. You're trying to work it the best you can and you're still dealing with life and she's guys are great career and I start my career and we're raising our kids and it's interesting I did a show years ago I never forget 
with all these fathers in the audience and a lot of them had been separated from their kids and hadn't been a part of their kids' lives. And this guy got up and said, I don't remember his name in the audience, he was just saying, regardless of whether I was there or not, I had a dream for my kids. And every father has a dream for his family. And the great sorrow in your life is not to be able to fulfill that dream that you have for your family. So that's, I was reminded of that when you said your father left for work every day and yeah. that he really believed in taking care of the family. What is your dream for your children, yeah. your family? Wow. What's your father's dream yeah. for your family? My dad wanted us to do everything he could to provide for us. So that was yeah. the model that I had. Yeah. Like he was gonna do everything he could to make sure he could put his kids in school and that they would have the education they wanted. And our kids, you know, it's different because my kids don't have to worry about that. Right. But I think for me, it's trying to find something that's gonna, that you can cultivate in them so that they're uh, good kids, they work hard in the community, they work hard on the things that they love to do, uh -huh. and not spoil them to the point where they don't have motivation to right. help. And there's nothing worse than a bratty, entitled kid. And our kids, that's the trajectory that, based on my wife's life and my life, that the kids could be on. Yeah. And I think, you know, for us to work with them to keep them grounded in a way. And you know what? I wouldn't say we've got that figured out yet. I think my wife has, does a better job of that than me, actually. Mm -hmm. But I think for me, it's in me a little bit. Like I said, my, if my dad, if I said, hey, dad, I got basketball season and I need some basketball shoes, he went out and got me basketball shoes. What was his greatest gift to you, do you think? What was uh, his, the thing that he passed on to you yeah. that you now want to pass on to your children? He was there at every moment. Mm. Every moment he was there. He'd show up at the games. He, I remember, always remember him rolling up his sleeves, and he'd have a baseball mitt in one hand, and he'd catch the ball, and he'd have a baseball bat, and he'd flip the ball up, and he'd hit it. And we'd be up there for hours after work. And I just, I was with my dad. I had his time. And he was, he was there for me. Isn't that amazing? That is what I've learned over the years, too, with all these shows I was doing on people who were not there and kids who couldn't find their parents, and years later they're upset. All they wanted was just the time. Yeah. They just wanted the time. Yeah. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. Are you ready to unlock your inner greatness? If so, make sure to listen to my podcast, The School of Greatness, hosted by me, Lewis Howes. Join me as I sit down with world-class performers, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders to uncover their secrets to success with new episodes every single week. Whether you're striving for personal growth, business mastery, or simply seeking inspiration, The School of Greatness has something for you. And you can find it on SiriusXM, Pandora, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe and follow to the show so you never miss an episode and start your journey to greatness today. You have been the team captain of the Patriots now for so many years. Yeah. How would you describe your style of leadership? I try to be very positive and I'm, I think once I develop the trust, mm -hmm. I feel like I can be tough on them. 
Really? But I can't be tough on him before I develop the relationship and the trust. So that, are you are you a shouter or screamer? I can be, yeah. You can be? But it's only with people that I, you know, care about. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you know, I think a lot of people, it's like, well, if I didn't yell at you, it's because I didn't care about you. Uh -huh. But I think that's, I think you have to have different forms of motivation. I've been around a lot of guys, a lot of guys, some guys don't like to be yelled at. Some guys like to be tormented in a way, you uh -huh. know, and I think you just got to find the right mix. But I, I, I love that aspect of of my position. They have to listen to me. I'm the quarterback. I'm in the, mm -hmm. you know, I'm the one calling the plays. So naturally they're all looking at you. And I think the greatest thing for you is to believe in yourself. Because mm -hmm. if you don't believe in yourself, who's going to believe in you? They're going to look in your eyes too. Yeah, I think that's an interesting thing. Naturally they're looking at you. You are who you are. You walk into the room. Everybody notices. You walk into the room with Giselle. Everybody notices. She walks in the room. And you are beloved. <laughs> Only in a few states. <laughs> okay. 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 In the Northeast, yes. Okay, yes. In the... Other places, I think they're a little more. Yeah, well. I'm not sure they love me so much. Well, you understand the position you hold in the zeitgeist is one of beloved master player, right? How does one keep one's ego in check? with all of that. I got a wife, I got three sisters, I got parents, mm -hmm. I got, you know, I still have friends from, I just, you don't forget where you come from. You don't, and I think I was, I never have. Interesting, so you were saying in the beginning, that 2001, when you weren't won the first championship, you didn't even know what it was or yeah. how to, ha I mean, you knew what it was, but how to handle all of the bombardment that yeah. overcomes you. You get overwhelmed by all the attention yeah. and the sudden fame. Yeah. So what impact do you think fame actually has had on you? It's made me less trusting, unfortunately. Really? Mm -hmm. I, I, I would say I was very trusting, naive in a way. At this point, there's a lot of people that, you know, want this or want that or come here, do this. Or you may say something to someone and you want to just have a normal relationship, but in their minds it's not because they want something from you or using your something you say. Or, and I think that's probably a little challenging for me, maybe mm -hmm. difficult, that I just don't trust people. Mm. Because of the fame? Because they, you just don't know if you're going to be used at some point for yeah. something. So... And my personality It's like your eight-year-old son saying, this kid saying, I just want to be your friend because you're Tom Brady's yeah. son. Yeah. yeah. So I tend to just have the relationships that I've had. Mm -hmm. And then it takes me a while to feel other people out. Mm -hmm. You know, they really have to... Because isn't it rare at this stage of your life, with this much fame and attention and, uh, you know, all that comes with being you, to find somebody who doesn't want something? Yeah. And to find people who will be critical of you. Yeah. For good reason. Yeah. You know, they shouldn't tell you. Who will yes. tell you the truth. Yeah, tell you the truth and tell you not just what you want to hear. And So you, you, know, still, you, so you just have the friends that you had before you became the Tom Brady? Well, for me, I have a lot of guys. Mm -hmm. Like the great part about, again, being in a locker room yeah. is I do trust them. Yeah. So you have built-in friends. Yeah. It's like every year it's like, hey, 50 more friends, <laughs> you know, plus all the ones that I have from the past. Yeah. So, but I, I love connecting with those guys. Everyone's got something to share, and you can learn from everyone. And without having the relationships, I mean, life's about relationships. And the better relationships, the better, more fulfilling your life's going to be. If you've got a bunch of shallow relationships, people don't care about you, only care about you because of certain things, like, it's not going to feel good to me. So in your book, you write about the mind, body, and spirit. What do you think is the key to a fully integrated life where those three elements are aligned? 
For me, yeah. it would be to work at those things. Yeah. Work at your mind. Work and is there at your one body. element that's more challenging for you than the others? I know you said I, your body is your greatest asset, but your mind, bo body, spirit. Yeah, I'd say my body is easy for me to work at. My mind is hard. I'm mm -hmm. very difficult on myself. I'm very, I'm tough on myself. You know, which is hard for other people to be tough on me, but because I'm pretty tough on myself. In mind. In mind. Okay. Spirit. Where are you? Where are you with the spirit, Tom? You know, working at that too. <laughs> working at that too. Sometimes when you don't like what you see, you just brush it aside and deal with it for another time. But I've overcome a lot of things in my life personally, and things that I've had to deal with that have made me who I am. We started this conversation with your quote from the documentary, where you said. I want to know the whys of life, and I want to know why we're here and where we're going. Yeah. So why do you think we're here, and where are we going? I think we're, you know, we're trying to leave our families, our communities, our world better than when we came into it. And what contributions are you going to make? And everyone can do it. You know, it's not just in my role or in my life things I can do, but what can everyone do? Everyone can contribute to their home. Everyone can contribute to their community. And because I've been able to do it and I have people that pay attention, I want to do it in ways like this, you know? Mm -hmm. Take the lessons I've learned to say, hey, maybe these work for you. Maybe these work for aspiring athletes. Maybe I can inspire them. Because I wasn't the kid that was just, it was born to do this, born to be in this position, born to be sitting here. And I feel like I've had this be smart about those things and work hard at them and have the discipline, the work ethic and the commitment to stick with it. And I think other people who are more talented than me, if they had the information, it would be incredible mm -hmm. for them to even achieve more. So I've had a lot of living left, you know, and I think football has provided me so many great things in my life, relationships and this ability to influence people in a positive way. And I take that responsibility seriously. Not in a serious way, but I don't want to screw it up. I want to hold myself to a, a very high standard. And, um, you know, and hopefully you that do. can... And you do. You recently posted this letter on your Facebook page that I want to just end with. Will you read it? Yeah. Okay. I'd love to. Okay. If you happen to be very lucky when you're 10 years old, you'll have people in your life who tell you the world is anything you want it to be, and you'll believe them. And those people will never put limits on your abilities. In return, no matter the circumstances, you always try your best and you never give up because that's what you do when you're chasing your dream. If you're lucky, you'll have family, teammates, coaches, mentors, and trainers along the way to help you when you lose faith in yourself, and they'll give you the strength to carry on. If you're lucky, you may get picked last, you may ride the bench, and many times the team may move on without you, and you come to recognize that in return, you're given the chance to earn the greatest edge of all and one that can never be taken away. Will, heart. So to anyone who feels left out or is afraid of trying their best for fear of failure, you're not alone. The magic you're looking for is in the will of trying and not giving up. The love of your dream is in your heart. One day you'll look back on your life and appreciate the struggle and have nothing but gratitude for everything that happened along the way. To anyone who's struggling early in the morning or late at night in pursuit of your dream, struggles that many will never see, and to any leaders out there who believe in someone who doesn't yet believe in themselves, keep going. Keep going. Because will always finds a way. You just preached this morning. That's me. Right. <laughs> That's me. That's you. Yeah. That's you. Yeah.
Wow. Yeah, thanks. That's the essence of who you are right there. Yeah. Thank you for sharing it. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for the me. time. Thank you. Tom Brady just preached, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Brady just took us to church, y'all. In my own way. Thank you. <laughs> That's Thank great. you, guys. Thank That's you. That's great. Really good. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 